this is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC. I have the pleasure of having a friend of mine for a long time, Michael Leonardi. He uh, has started up several businesses, serial entrepreneur, avid health and fitness enthusiast. And uh, uh, he's always got good ideas and always on the, the power tip of what's about to happen. So we're going to use this as a lens into the future, but also uh, talk about his past and how he's gotten to where he is. So, Michael, welcome to Halo Talks. Pete, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Great. So we met probably seven or eight years ago. Uh, you were uh, working on the uh, on the red cord, and you're working in the medical fitness side of the business. So why don't you give everybody your quick background and uh, and what you learned over time, and then we'll we'll do a little Q and A together uh, yeah. that'll bring us to uh, to to jujitsu. Yeah, absolutely. Road so to jujitsu, we're going to call this. <laughs> Yeah, um, I actually started out my, I went to school and started out my professional career in film and television. And I worked at World Wrestling Entertainment for about five years doing video production and uh, on-air promotions, branding, image campaigns. Absolutely loved it. But man, I had this little entrepreneurial bug in me. And uh, my wife is in uh, rehab. She's a speech language pathologist. And we saw a huge market opportunity. And uh, I just, for whatever, you know, for whatever uh, reason, I'm like, man, I think I want to go in this direction. So I, I uh, left WWE and we started a rehab staffing business. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was, uh, it was doing very, very well. And ran, the first issue I ran into, and as a serial entrepreneur, Pete, I'm sure you know, uh, you make a million mistakes, you learn a lot, you know, and you, and you get better over time. And so sure. that was my first a lesson in cash flow and uh, uh, accounts receivable. So mm. working with <laughs> working with hospitals and rehab hospitals, subacute facilities, they don't like paying you for ninety to one hundred and twenty days. So as a as a startup and a small entrepreneur, that became an issue that I had to deal with. I ended up selling that business though in uh, two thousand seven, and around that time, uh, just through chance, I was introduced to. Uh, a friend whose father was a very well-known exercise physiologist out of UMass. And he was approached by the guys at Redcord, which is a Norwegian group. And uh, they were looking to penetrate the U.S. market. They, it, it, was, it was suspension exercise before anybody knew what suspension exercise was. Mm-hmm. Just new slash TRX didn't invent it. <laughs> people, don't, people don't realize that. They invented the, the concept here in the U.S. and did an amazing job. Uh, but but sling exercise, suspension exercise, whatever you want to call it, been around for a really long time. And these guys uh, were looking to get into the U.S. I I, I brought a, a friend of ours who was a physical therapist and my brother went to go check it out. And we were blown away. He was blown away from some of the clinical outcomes that mm-hmm. you can get with the system pretty quickly. So one way or another, we decided to get involved and eventually took over the full North American license and distributorship for it. And the interesting part about Redcord is you're really going into the medical side and you're going into, you know, more of the pain management, not necessarily like straight into the fitness or traditional health club industry. Yeah, absolutely. And, and really, that's where their um, value lied uh, at the time. You know, at, around then, 2007, TRX was definitely coming into the fitness. It's very, you know, it was a very simple, nice, awesome modality and tool. Redcord had a lot of other, as you remember, had a lot of other pieces and components, and it was definitely more of a, a medical intervention. And they mm-hmm. used a technique called um, NURAC, which is short for neuromuscular activation. So it really d- dove into pain and understanding the mechanisms of pain and how it shuts down uh, or, or 
slows down or inhibits the signal flow to some of the muscles, or I would say like a light switch, like it dimmed a lot of those afferent signals to the muscles um, and how to kind of reactivate those and, and relieve some of those musculoskeletal ailments. It's really cool. So, so how hard was it when you, you know, got into the industry just so entrepreneurs understand, you know, how long it takes to kind of educate a market uh, on, on the benefits, like what, you know, what, what, you know, one is obviously patience, you know, I was just doing a podcast and we were talking about like how long a sales cycle is like, I can totally understand that. And I used to run a software company. I was trying to convince people, you know, you're going to get your leads from the internet and you should buy a DSL line. Um, you know, it'd be a worthwhile, uh, you know, cost. So, you know, how did that experience with red cord, where you're, you know, you're basically an evangelist. You're going into the medical industry, which has kind of, you know, notoriously been slow to embrace new technologies. Yeah. Um, you know, so how did you kind of power through that? You know, obviously you got working capital issues, you got sales cycle issues, you've got, you know, how is this different from more better than a TRX? Um, you know, without getting too deep and and us going into like a, you know, entrepreneurial therapy lesson, which we could probably provide yeah. many people. Um, you know, how, how did that experience go and, and what'd you learn from that and take away from, you know, what you're using now? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, great question. Uh, number one, one of the things that uh, we really, I think looking back should have, we really should have just focused solely on medical. You know, we spent some time, uh, we wanted to get into the fitness as well. And we, we had a little bit of traction in the Pilates side of things for sure. But you know, it, it was just to be quite honest. It was a lot of grinding. It was getting in front of people, doing demos, getting that word of mouth, going to, you know, going to all the the shows, the, the national shows. And what the way we saw growth in the market was simply you plant a seed in in New York or Los Angeles. You get uh, those first movers on board, and they started to talk about it. Then their colleagues or other people started to see it, started to do demos, started to do. Um, you know, uh, uh, continuing ed. That was another thing too. We had to make sure we got our classes approved as, as continuing ed. And you're hundred percent correct on the, the rehab market. It's a slow, slow growth type of thing over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the cool thing is, is it's sticky. Once you're there, you're there. Once you get in and you, and you work through that sales cycle, like for instance, we were looking to get into some big hospitals like health South and it took me six years mm-hmm. before we actually got yeah. in into a facility there. So it was, it was difficult with cash flow. It was difficult. It was just a slow grinding process, mm-hmm. but we believed in the product. Yeah. Talk a little bit about for so many entrepreneurs that, that listen to these podcasts here about the benefits of turning some technology or some program into a continuing education credit and how that kind of gets you programmed into you know, or easing your way into the professional's actually taking on, you know, those certifications. Yeah, no, I mean, it's like live or die. Like if you don't, you know, if you have a, um, if you have a a tool and, uh, and most of the time there is some education around that, if you're Mm -hmm. not getting that certified as continuing education now in in rehab, it was state by state. And then they, they've, they've over time, they have um, condensed it where you can get one and it's approved in multiple States. But if you did not have that, I honestly thought you'd have almost zero shot because the medical profession wants to see research out there. They want to know that this thing is somewhat evidence-based and, and you do have to go through that process with uh, getting a course approved for continuing it. So it was like absolutely critical. If you don't have a plan of getting your stuff certified as Con Ed, 
uh, it's a it's a really hard uphill climb. Mm-hmm. So once you, once you got it into the contingent education credits, where, where do you go from there? Did you end up going and marketing it to people that had a uh, personal training certification, nutritionist? Like, what what was your path to getting more and more people on the platform? Yeah, it was. Um... It was definitely going after physical therapists and it was, you know, we would go after both uh, outpatient rehab facilities. So mom and pop outpatient rehab facilities. And that sales cycle was a little bit quicker because you were with the decision maker. But we also looked into getting to big hospital chains. Uh, that sales cycle was longer. Uh, obviously that con ed was super important. So we do, we, we did digital marketing. We did some content marketing out there. I mean, that was, uh, definitely a, a part of it as well. Um, getting it, getting it to regional providers, um, and really just pushing first and foremost that education. That was probably the biggest, uh, most important thing. Gotcha. So, talk about the transition you made into jujitsu and and what your passion was there, and and where you think that modality goes. You know, not just from a physical, you know, fitness standpoint, but also from a, a mental health and creating community and having people, you know, get the self-confidence that they need. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I started, uh, well, so for my time at WWE, real quick story, I, I uh, worked with Brock Lesnar, who's like a, you know, was a big star sure. and he made a transition to MMA and I was watching a little bit at this time. This was like late two thousands, like 2008 or so. And, um, you know, I was in my, I was probably about 30 years old at the time, uh, 30, 31, something like that. And, um, saw, you know, really got into it and saw jujitsu a little bit more. And there was a couple of guys on there who were local to me that were on the card. And I was just looking for something, you know, I was in my mid thirties. I played sports as a kid. I was like looking for something, just going to the gym to me, you know, and I think for a lot of people, sometimes it gets boring. You want to look for new things, which I think is what we see in the market. We see a lot of different concepts and new concepts out there. Um, so anyway, started training, uh, I actually didn't end up really signing up until 2011. And it just, it blew me away in terms of the boxes that it checked off of stress relief, uh, community, life lessons, um, and working out. And I just started to feel a, a heck of a lot better. I was able to manage stress a little bit better. And I started my journey as a practitioner for, um, at that point in time. It wasn't until about six years later, seven years later, when... Uh, I decided to step out of the day-to-day with Redcord and ActiveCore, which is, which is another uh, business that was kind of related to ActiveCore, where I said, man, I, I see a huge opportunity here for the market to continue to build and spread Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu because it's growing. And uh, I, I think, like I said, it's checking off a lot of those things from mental health, from physical health. Um, and so I, I dove in. So, so you own the, the the franchise in Princeton at this point? Yeah, so we have two locations now. Uh, basically, one just south of Princeton and one just north of Princeton in uh, Central Jersey. And what what's the uh, the member base? Uh, kids, adults? How, how's it how's it mixed? Yeah, it's it's uh, you know unlike I think previous martial arts or you know a karate or taekwondo, it's, those are primarily mostly kids. You do have some adults. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, um, because of the popularity of, of MMA, we have a pretty healthy mixture of uh, kids and adults. It's it's not 50-50 uh, quite there, but it's mm-hmm. close, and it moves up and down a little bit. So you got a good 
you know, um, good mixture of kids and adults. And what, what's your, are you actually teaching the classes now as well? Uh, so I, I teach a couple classes, you know, I really spend a lot of time on the back end of things in terms of just, um, tweaking operations, uh, sales and marketing and, you know, um, retention strategies, everything, just working on the back end of the business. Uh, I, I took a position day to day as like our program director, which is pretty much the front desk and does the sales and a couple other things, just to really, really understand the ins and outs of the market. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm, you know, it, I'm starting to step out of that and work more on the business instead of in the business. So. Got it. And, and what, what are you seeing from a standpoint of what people are looking to get out of the workouts where I'd say more traditionally, it was either, you know, from a self-defense standpoint, uh, maybe confidence booster. I'd say those are probably when we were growing up, those are probably like the two main reasons why you, you, you went to either karate or some type of, you know, jujitsu class. So how have you seen that evolve and like, you know, really using that in your marketing of it, of like, here's what you should expect to achieve. Yeah. People do come to us for different reasons. They'll they'll check off self defense. They'll check off stress relief. Sometimes they just don't know. They're they're looking for something different, uh, and mm-hmm. they think it looks cool. But right. what I've seen is people people stay stick around for some of those things I just mentioned. The community is super strong. I mean, from a culture standpoint, I you know being in the industry for quite some time, I. I'm pretty blown away about how strong and how sticky it is and how long people stay around with this brand mm-hmm. uh, or jujitsu because of the community it builds. Um, certainly the stress release is something that is uh, major and a lot of those life lessons and things of that nature. Gotcha. So how often do you have people come? Well, what, 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 the average member... How many days a week do they show up? Is, and are they supplementing their workouts? What, what do you kind of see when someone gets into jujitsu and do you see this evolving into a modality that, that's going to be inside of health clubs? Or do you yeah. see it as kind of standalone retail? Uh, yes. you know, like it's been traditionally. Yeah, so I think most people try and get in there two to three times a week. I think it's something that definitely should be supplemented like i still i still go to the gym i i still go for for instance to me still go for strength training you know i think it's good to supplement this with some kind of yoga or some mobility and flexibility work for sure um mm-hmm. and some strength training so i i see this as very uh synergistic with still going to the gym i i do you know obviously you can you can see from like for instance the ufc gym they have they have mixed together that traditional um, gym with weights and treadmills, but also adding those, you know, MMA classes to it, I think is, I think is what you're going to continue to see. And then I think what interests me a lot is, and and this is something we actually, I actually started a nonprofit with one of my students last year is really starting to get more and more explicit with uh, mental health and helping people, um, at the end of the day, what, what I found when we started researching this I could go off for a minute is that people are happiest in life. They're, mo- they're, they're most fulfilled uh, by their connections and the quality of those connections. So what mm-hmm. we kind of found is we've got to help people build 
very strong in healthy relationships with others. So it looks, that means breaking into self-awareness, mm-hmm. understanding who you are, your strengths, your weaknesses, finding humility, finding authenticity, self-management, being able to manage that stress, understanding grit and uh, emotional balance, uh, social awareness, understanding empathy and compassion and diversity around you. And that's a really, really good thing. And then mm-hmm. uh, social management, learning to um, work with others, learning to uh, deal with uh, issues constructively. And so we just found, and this is all, I didn't make this up. We researched and kind of put together a lot of this social emotional learning stuff that they're teaching in school for uh, kids now. And I think adults need this just as much, if not more oh, definitely. than, than definitely. kids, you know? So it's like, um, I think, again, the whole hybrid model I'm seeing a lot, obviously, in small group training, people are starting to move there for various reasons. So I think once you have that, you can also start to develop some components where mental health is addressed a little bit more explicitly. And I, I mm-hmm. see a big opportunity there in the market as, as time goes on and we get a little bit a little bit further away from putting a stigma on mental health um, and becoming a, you know, quote unquote, cool, trendy thing to work on. So do you try and do anything outside of the the four walls of the location? Do you go into, you know, employers and and do trainings? Do you go to schools? Do you, you know, like, does this resonate or are you like, you know, are, are you kind of a pioneer in, you know, explaining the narrative? Yeah, it's a hundred percent. You know, this year we just started working with schools doing after-school programs. Um, it's a huge, uh, it's a huge lead generator uh, for sure, and um, it's it's a great revenue stream to do after-school programs. I a hundred percent plan on going to corporations. I just don't think we're there yet, mm-hmm. personally. You know, uh, with our school, just like operations and being able to execute on that. Right. Uh, so right now, a lot of a lot of the stuff that we're expanding out is looking at summer camps, um, doing um, after-school programs in conjunction with some of the school districts, and uh, also one of the things that we love to do is um, women's self-defense. That's a you know that's a really big thing right now. Doing free women's self-defense seminars. In fact, we just started an, a recurring every Sunday free women's self-defense um, seminar. Just so mm-hmm. because the reality is, we go out there and we teach a class. You know, we get a hunt, you know, we get a lot of people come, but one class, like they're not gonna, they're not gonna learn much from that. They're gonna do it, but you know, these things take repetition. Right. So you're definitely doing stuff beyond the four walls, I think, is super important for the growth and longevity of the business and getting into the community. Gotcha. And then what are you looking to do going forward here? You're looking to roll out more locations, take over more territory. What's your personal plan over the next, you know, call it three to five years? Yeah, 100%. I think there's there's so much more room for jiu-jitsu to grow. Uh, martial arts is, is is something that's been around for a very, very, very long time. Um, and the way that I see it is that Brazilian jiu-jitsu is just becoming more and more popular within the martial arts industry. Martial arts industry is still growing, you know, a couple percentage points per year. But I think within that, you see Brazilian jiu-jitsu and mixed martial arts being taking more of the that pie. And so... What really interested me in Gracie Baja is it's a, it's a 33-year-old brand. It's been around since 1986. It's the Gracies. I mean, they've been along much, much longer than that. But Gracie Baja, uh, I think, is the first that has really institutionalized Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and created a good branding, good infrastructure, everything else like that. It's a great platform for growth. 
And so definitely just looking at the, the East Coast and the Northeast as uh, just going to continue to expand organically in this area for sure. Good. Are you going to do that freestanding or are you going to look to, to do it in host locations? No, right now uh, I think uh, freestanding is, is something. I think working with host locations I think is one of those outside of the four wall strategies okay. that we could uh, you know, provide value, get our brand out there, maybe generate some revenue, but ultimately still have our brick and mortar setters that uh, we drive people to. What do you think it is why, you know, dance studios and martial arts related concepts seem to never close? I mean, you go back to like, you like where you grew up and like the same dance studios there and the same martial arts. And, but you see every, everything else is basically turned over except for, for those two concepts for some reason. Yeah. I think it, I think it still boils down to connection. I think it boils down to a place where, um, and a, a place where people are actually really learning things. They're not just going there for a workout. Um, mm-hmm. They're not just going for aesthetics. Uh, they're going there because they have a, they have a passion for it. Um, they're there meeting other people. They're checking off those boxes of, you know, at least in martial arts, stress relief. Um, it's an art. Dance is an art. Martial arts, it's an art, right? At the end of the right. day, it's martial art. And so I think that's what makes them so sticky compared to in fitness. You know, people, people like working out. And, you know, a lot of the times you see that when people do stay um, at a, a small group training location or whatever it is, a lot of times it's because of the people. It's because mm-hmm. of the instructor. It's because of their, like, you know, that's why they're staying, uh, I think, a lot of the time. So I, I see in the fitness industry, I kind of get scared a little bit of not why I haven't dove into fitness concepts as much as because they, they turn over a lot, you know, mm-hmm. people get bored. And so that's a little scary as an entrepreneur. Um, whereas like you said, martial arts or dance studios, they're really long-term, you know, and, and it's because they, they have those other components to it that keep people around for a really long time and keep them invested. Gotcha. So what are some of the things that people around you, uh, hear you say often, or you got any quotes that you live by or, you know, that's a Leonardo-ism. Oh, gosh. There's a lot. I mean, especially with jiu-jitsu, like you're learning a lot about just life lessons. The one that I've been really high on lately is emotion is contagious. Mm. Um, and it's and it's just I'm, I'm kind of really discovering how contagious it really is. And I think when it comes to building culture within an organization, you know, how, how that... How that person, you know, you walk into a room and right away, you know, you've done this. Uh, you walk into a room where somebody walks into the room and they're like, just, they got a long face. They're, they're miserable. It just mm-hmm. sucks the life out of you, you know, whereas right. vice versa, uh, you have somebody come in that's like beaming with energy and positive and happy to see you and everything else. Like, man, that just lifts you up. And so I, I see that day to day. And I see it from, you know, just in dealing with so many students and our staff. And that's like, to me right now, like emotion is contagious. It's like a huge core to building that great culture and atmosphere is making sure that we're, when we come into the school or when anybody comes in, any practitioner, if it's a fitness instructor, if it's a physical therapist, if it's a martial arts instructor, mm-hmm. you got to deal with self-awareness first. You got to deal with yourself. If you're feeling good inside and you're positive, and that's going to affect so many other people. It's going to affect also your performance and everything else. So it's a big Great. thing going on right now. So, and, and you've also done this with uh, your brothers, your, your co-partner in this? 
Yeah, yeah. So uh, my brother is um, was in uh, pharmaceuticals, healthcare for a pretty long time, and then exited. Uh, gosh, about three years ago, and he's been always. He was actually one of the guys originally that came with me to see Redcord, and okay. we'd always talked about doing something with Redcord. And and how that evolved real quickly is we go to mom and pop outpatient rehab facilities selling this red cord modality in the NURAC. And they'd say, man, this is really cool. We love it. But hey, I only have 15 minutes like to deal, to work with a patient because I'm an in-network provider and you know, that's all I get reimbursed because wow. the reimbursements have dropped dramatically since the 90s. And so like, this is cool, but I can't really use it as effectively. So we were starting to think, man, like, how do we, how do we handle this? And we realized that in order for that to be really effective and get great results, you need to be one-on-one with that patient for an hour, you know, or a good, a good chunk of time. And in-network was just, it's just not cutting it anymore. Right. That's just the reality. So we're like, man, so a lot of people were turning us down for that. So we said, you know what, we're just going to go out there and open our own clinics and be, and have that be our differentiator. And, you know, so we, we started to open out of network physical therapy clinics. Um, and, and, and this was a while ago and it's gotten more popular now because people have had to, you either go out of network or you get acquired by a hospital network or a hospital based system mm-hmm. because you're just getting crushed. And so, um, so active core is, is separate from red cord. You know, we use red cord in the clinics, but active right. core is our physical therapy brand and we're cash based now. I mean, people pay upfront in full for our services and, uh, uh, it's thriving now, especially as the market is changing. So that's great. That's great. So um, you know, we've we've been uh, we've been friends for a long time. So congrats on the uh, on the progress and success, and you know, making a lot of people uh, healthier and happier and and more flexible. And now uh, taking this over to uh, to the jujitsu side. So uh, hopefully, we can be uh, helpful to you and uh, you know, spread the word. And uh, look forward to uh, to seeing you in person here and doing a uh, get a jujitsu class in for my crew. Yeah, absolutely. See how, and, we, and, see how we hold up. And you know, it's funny people don't realize how capable they are when you know when until they do it. And that's that's a huge thing about uh, martial arts, as you know, is that self confidence. Like you're yeah. way stronger than you realize. You know, which which I get to witness on a daily basis with our students. But Pete, um, that's great. Again. Yeah, this is. This has been awesome, uh, and uh, and it's great catching up with you and seeing all the stuff. Likewise, you're doing. It's, it's I love awesome. I, I love uh, listening to your podcast and stuff uh, off of LinkedIn. It's really cool stuff, and uh, thanks again for having me on. Appreciate it. All right, emotion is contagious. We're gonna leave with that. So yeah. spread the Leonardis around, <laughs> and let's uh, let's let's change this industry and get rid of all these uh, sugar companies and pharmaceutical companies getting in our way. Exactly. All right, man. Good to hear from you again. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Pete. Take care. All right, buddy. Great.